Welcome to The Joy of Marketing with me, Andrew Veach. This week, I'm joined by Lisa Craven, who moved from dentistry into marketing. Then with her sister, Vanessa, founded Spotlight Oral Care, which quadrupled turnover um, during the last year. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, so could we maybe just start off, if you just maybe tell us a little bit about uh, Spotlight. Spotlight Oral Care was set up about four years ago, and it's really in response to a disconnection that Vanessa, my sister and I were both dentists, that we could see in the oral care market. I think there's a huge disconnect between what we know as dentists and professionals and what the general public know um, to be true. And the reality is that 90% of oral health is achieved through what you do at home. Um, and I don't, I, we didn't feel like that was being reflected in the products that people could buy. Um, there's obviously a huge rise in natural products as well. And I truly believe that people are looking for products that are healthy, that are, are effective, but that are not going to damage your overall health. Um, so we sit right in the middle. We have clinically proven active ingredients that target the individual needs of our, of our customers. And what that means is we have products that work and work for oral health issues. Um, all our packaging is sustainable. We don't test on animals and we are ethically and sustainably focused also. Obviously, in terms of, of, of your career, I mean, you, you, you were a dentist and you, you suddenly moved into marketing. So, I mean, how, how did you go about learning the, the, your new trade? Yeah, like I, I think, you know, as a dentist, you're also a small business owner. So you do need to know a certain aspect. And I qualified as a dentist at a lovely time as the economic crisis hit Ireland. So it was definitely a very challenging environment. And I could see it even in private healthcare, you know, like a lot of dentists were reducing costs and reducing team members. So, you know, even in my first job as a profession or as a professional dentist, I set up my own practice at uh, the age of 24 and I wanted to set up a premium um, dental practice. Uh, and so I had to learn the very basics of marketing through being a dentist and having my own business. And I, I and I ran that for about 10 years. Um, and then as we moved into Spotlight and we created Spotlight and first it was definitely a part time job. And then I, as I moved into it more, marketing is something that I feel like I absolutely love. I just it's an aspect of the of the business that I really am passionate about. And it's it's more to me. It's more about communication and clear, understandable messaging for our patients and customers. I think I definitely learned, you know, as I went um, but there's so much information out there and I I really just delved into it and learned as much as I could. I'm really passionate about email marketing and automation um, oh, and really communication. So, yeah, I, I'm obsessed <laughs> with marketing. I just, it fascinates me. So um, I think what you love, you just, you learn more of. Yeah. I think one of the things I always liked about automation when I, I was a marketing director is that, you know, I could be in the pub and uh, we could be selling <laughs> automatically without me actually doing anything. Which is literally the opposite of being a dentist you know if you don't go to work as a dentist that's it you don't earn any money so but it's to me it's more about communication like I I really felt that you know when you go into a supermarket and you buy toothpaste all you're really all you really feel is like this this kind of mundane messaging of bright white smile and minty fresh and I just thought it's so old school and it's so like old-fashioned like we wanted to create a range of products that actually spoke to a customer and told you why you would use it. And it seems really basic, 
but like I always say you know if if I if I ask my friends you know what kind of skincare routine they they use they'd be able to like write a PhD on it but you ask somebody what kind of toothpaste they use and they say oh just the kind of one I always use or the one that's on special offer and oral care is healthcare but you you are you know choosing kind of these generic products but oral health is individual like any other aspect of health and you should be using products that are targeting your own needs so they work harder for you so for me my passion is that kind of aspect of communication and designing products that people intuitively look at and go yeah I actually understand that's for me you know yeah but and, and there's also obviously an element about appearance as well isn't there and in fact I think what struck me looking at your marketing is it, it felt almost more like a fashion brand I thought than than a traditional dental brand totally but then look at look at how beauty has evolved and skincare has evolved like look at if you look at skincare 20 years ago you know you were buying these multi-purpose products you know um like moisturizer which is a kind of like meaningless term now but you know 20 years ago you were had these big brands but like they were kind of like one size fits all beauty and now everything is so targeted so elevated and but then you look at oral care and it's the exact same as it was 20 years ago there's no there's no customization um there's no targeting there's no elevation and it's like it's basically like two for the price of one and that's how we buy our oral care and like you never and sometimes people ask oh you know you're slightly more premium and we're not even that more premium than average but I'm like when did you last you know justify your purchase of creme de la mer you know but you want to buy your toothpaste for two quid and that's actually going to protect your health as well as make your teeth look nice so we just felt like there's a huge space and like you look at those big brands and you know i i really feel like oral care is ripe for disruption because there's nobody doing anything really meaningful in the space and it hasn't evolved it hasn't innovated in any way in 20 years so i think that's why the brand has been so successful and it's something obviously we want to continue to do yeah well i guess you're lucky with your competitors um, so something else again just looking at at social i noticed um you have 167,000 followers on Instagram, which is, is 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 a lot for this type of brand. So, I mean, how did you go about building that? And how important is that to your business? So social for us, I think, is one of our key differentiators. I mean, again, when you look at those huge brands that we're up against, you know, they have obviously so much power and so much money and resources. And obviously, they're hugely dominant in their space. But one place that they actually don't play well is social. And I, th- I think that every brand and every company has easier points and more difficult points. And one of our easier spaces to play is on social. And, uh, you know, it's funny because Vanessa and I are obviously dentists. So we have nothing to hide. You know, we go on social all the time. We do lives on other people's uh, channels. But we have nothing to hide in terms of what we discuss. And because we have a full range of products, we we are we are trying to, you know, always offer the best in terms of advice to the to whoever we're talking to. And I think that there is a point of discussion to be made in oral care. Like there's so much to discuss. People are people have this idea that or toothpaste is just toothpaste. But I know as a dentist that people are passionate about their oral health. People want to look good and they want their teeth to look nice and they want them to be healthy. And I used to provide a huge amount of Invisalign and I was probably one of the biggest 
providers of Invisalign in Ireland and the UK all through the economic crisis. And that told me that people are not interested in buying the cheapest or they're not interested in, it's not always about price. It's about value and what you're actually going to get out of the treatment. So for me, like social is hugely important because it gives Vanessa and I that opportunity to speak directly to our our customers. And there's also this thing in, in dentistry where people are often afraid like they might want to straighten their teeth or they might might want to whiten their teeth, but they're actually embarrassed to ask their dentist for some reason. So it gives people an opportunity to ask all the questions they ever wanted. So like we we really focus hugely on social, like we do like Q&As, we do lives, we do a lot on TikTok. So we had like a video that we, I think it's like a 3.3 million views on TikTok. Um, so we really so, play so what, in that what space. Was that? What was that video that got three and a half? It was the simplest video, honestly. You should honestly go and look at it again. Like, it's literally about the color of people's teeth. Like, this girl was saying, like, my my teeth are always yellow. Like, is there something wrong with me, basically? And I just stitched with it and, and said, like, no, like, teeth have different you know, shades and you can't clean, you can't whiten your teeth by brushing your teeth. You have to use an active ingredient to whiten your teeth. But it was super simple. But I think the opportunity we have as a brand is that we are the founders. We are the, we are dentists. And like so many oral care brands, they all created by dentists. I'm like, well, where, where are these people? Who are these people? You know? And I think people are more like consumers are intelligent. They want to see who is behind the brand, who's developing this and who, who, you know, what are you saying? And they want to challenge you. And I like that because, you know, we are literally creating best in class products. So I want to be challenged and I want to discuss and it's funny because I know like a, a few of my friends will point out like some of the bigger players if they put something on Instagram like and they just get annihilated because the consumer knows like that they're still testing on animals and they're still producing products that are ending up in landfill and have no sustainable no no meaningful uh, sustainability focus so it's more difficult for them but it's easier for us yeah well it's absolutely true I mean I've sold great products and I've sold products that aren't very good. And I can absolutely say it is massively easier to sell a great product um, than, than a product that has problems. Um, so I noticed as well, you, you've also done quite a bit of influencer marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just wondering if you could give any advice to um, people who are thinking about that. Yeah, I think influencer marketing is, we. so we work, we kind of look at the company quite separately in terms of, Ireland, the UK and the US. Um, we use influencer marketing quite differently in, in the three different regions and it totally depends on how much brand awareness you have in that space. Um, I think you have to be very careful about, you have to look at influencer marketing like a long-term strategy. I think that you have to pick people who are uh, like very aligned with the ethics of your brand. And I think it's more about the quality versus the quantity. I would say, you know, I spend a lot of time on on Instagram and I watch people and I have a good feeling for who I want to look at and who I want talking about the products, you know. But I think it's about quality over quantity. I think never underestimate your own idea of what that content should look like. I think even though we're an oral health brand, we're still a beauty oral health brand. So we don't shy away from that beauty aspect. And I, I don't think you can get around like metrics like engagement and also you have to have an eye on revenue. So I think it's really important to 
look at it like a long-term strategy, set out your KPIs. So in the US, we, we're not necessarily going for revenue. We might be going for impressions and views and, and, and things like that. Um, and I think as well, you have to decide the scale of what you want to do. So if you are going like on a higher scale, I would recommend um, using an agency because it takes so much time and effort to get influencers over the line and make sure you have the right content and things like that. So I think if you're talking about any kind of scale, I, I would look at an agency. And one thing I would definitely look at is for the right influencer who performs well, I would always try and look at like paid media as an aspect of their of their contracts and, and working that into every other aspect of your business. So whether it's automation, whether it's paid social, you know, work. Oh, I see. In, right. Yeah. Yeah. So you're using the influencer in your paid marketing as well. Yeah. Well, we're an Irish brand, and in the UK, if we're if we're if we're segmenting out our emails, we want it to feel like personal to that customer and to be from an influencer that makes sense to them. You know, so we might work with an influencer, and and one of their um, one of their roles is that they we can use their assets in terms of uh, email and automation. Um, or paid social and it, it makes our brand more recognizable more familiar um in, in a new market so that i think that's that's really important yeah and, and actually you've mentioned international a few times now um i mean how how big is international for you and what do you do differently um in in the different regions I think each, so we, we're actually growing very quickly in the UK. Um, we, we have a lot of traction in the UK uh, market at the moment. A huge focus for us is the UK for the next year and obviously the US. I think it's respecting the differences in the market and even in terms of, um, how marketing works in different, in different countries. So, and what role each channel plays in each market. And sure, you can take a lot of learnings from, you know, previous success or failures. Um, and apply it but each market is so individual I think there's a huge difference in terms of you know you have to be like you have to have people on the ground in those in those countries so we have a UK team that are based in London and a US team based in New York you need marketing experience on the ground you need PR on the ground you need you know and that you you just can't you can't get around that in my opinion you know when you're ready um, I think that's super important like different aspects for example we would do some paid pr paid pr is really good you know in the uk but it's it actually works much better in the us for us different channels will work better even in terms of lead gen is a huge focus for us and we would find you know influencers in the uk might generate more leads for us than in the us so you're taking each channel but you're mixing up what you want to get out of each channel and making sure your budgets are as efficient as possible um, in each market, but I, I think there's there's nothing like getting like specific advice from people who are living and breathing that space. And I think PR is essential in each, obviously, in each in each country. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I've obviously I was in food and drink when I was in marketing, which is is a little bit different. But certainly, I noticed radical differences across countries. I mean, I remember we did um, some offers by email. Um, France, their response rate was just terrible. It just seems the French just don't seem very keen on responding to offers at all. The UK was kind of in the middle, but the Americans just love an offer. <laughs> the response rates were just through the roof. 
Totally. And it's just a different and you have to respect that difference. You know, we did some we did actually some podcast um, advertising in the US and, you know, we were on like some of the biggest like we we're on like, you know, we're doing it through agencies. So you could be on like Oprah and like Crime Junkie and things. And, you know, I think it's really important to like to understand that they have a different way of speaking and you you have to take the best advice that you get um but like it can be so salesy and to an irish person it's like you just want to die you want to like just <laughs> jump into your own shoe you're like oh my god i can't do this but it, it's it, it works and like you also look at look at the other brands like look at because i was saying like you know even analyzing our own podcast advertising in the us you know saying people are it's like 80% off and free for the first 100 customers and it just feels like so devaluing but like as a new brand it's that it's what you have to do there it's what you have to get that traction you have to get that word of mouth you have to get kind of users um but I tell you it's different like because once it depends on how valuable that customer is long term and again you won't have that data for a while but you know in the US they might want value but they they spend more you know when they do come and they repeat spending more and they buy more items so it's like it is you have to give a lot away to get them sometimes for the first time but they're more they're more likely to spend more whereas we would find in the UK easier to get them but they might actually spend a little bit less um initially you know so it's, yeah. it's and actually just on that subject I mean obviously everything you're selling pretty much is, is a consumable um and and lifetime value is going to be very important. I mean, do you do anything sort of marketing wise on retention? Yeah, and it's again, it totally depends on um, where we are. So in in the Ireland and the EU, we're really focusing on retention now at the moment and providing value. So, you know, for example, we've set up, you know, like things like an advisory service. So you can come on, you can ask about our products completely free. There's no you know, pressure to buy or to purchase, but we want to offer that value in terms of, okay, you might have bought something. Did you get the most out of it? You know, how how can we help you to get more out of your products? And even if it's nothing to do with products, what concerns do you have? What information do you need? Um, so we do a huge amount of retention, our work on retention. Also, we focus a lot on lead generation. So again, if we've if we've had an ep, you know a period where we've, we've been working with influencers. A lot, you know, we'll actually even find that some of our influencers mightn't perform as well as they did a year ago because they're actually all on our email list, you know. So we also make sure that our customer knows that on our email list, they're going to get the best value. They're going to get the first option to buy the best value. Um, They're always going to have, you know, um, they're going to get the offers for the first time also. So I think it's making sure that your customer understands from a brand's point of view where they're going to get that that best value. And for us, it's we always try and foster that email because we get an opportunity to educate, to discuss, and also we get a lot of feedback through email. Um, so for retention for us is basically is is a huge focus for lead generation. And we actually see that, like, I think in the EU, we have like a 50 of all our customers every month, 50% of those are returning customers. So I think we, we're doing a good job in terms of building that loyalty, but it's, it's definitely a process. And um, it's, it's something that kind of is a long term, you know, um, project and, and goal. Yeah. And I certainly know you have passionate customers, including 
um, our own Emma Fong at Machine Labs, <laughs> which is <laughs> who actually suggested that I should um, get you on the podcast. Good girl, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so on that lead gen, I mean, obviously you've mentioned that social, well, I can I can see social is huge. But I mean, are there other recruitment channels that you use? Yeah, like, I mean, we're always testing. And again, we're a very young um, company, so we're, we do test a lot. We've done sampling in the, in the US in particular. Um, we obviously do lead gen through organic social, so, but we also do it through paid social, um, we do through influencer activity also. So we do... It's huge. It's so big. It's so such a focus for us that we kind of do try to bring it across um, all channels, really, as much as we can. Yeah. So, Lisa, I guess um, most successful direct-to-consumer businesses do need to raise money at some point uh, to grow further. Um, I mean, what are the sort of metrics that, that you're looking at um, as you raise money? Yeah, so we are in the process of raising money at the moment. And, you know, I think that there's obviously a huge focus on metrics. And I think what, what we you, you really need to pay attention to is trends, like looking at your cost per acquisition, looking, looking at your average order values, showing, you know, what's working and, and being transparent. And I think that, you know, it's really important to remember that you know, we're a very young company and we're taking on money to grow. We're not taking on money to, to, for anything else. So I think that, you know, a, a, the right partner will understand your failures as well as your successes. So I would say transparency is actually quite important because they don't expect you to be perfect. But I, I think trends and showing traction, even if it's not where exactly you want to be, but you're moving in the right direction. And I think, like, obviously, digital spend is going to be hugely important. Your cost per acquisition, your average order value, your returning rate of customers, that they're the questions we get asked over and over again. But also along with messaging and what resonates the most and what are you finding in terms of differences across the market. So you do really need to know the ins and outs of it. But, yeah, like, I think the right partner should be asking those questions because if they're not, they're not going to be helping you in those areas either. Well. That's that's fantastic. It's been an absolutely fantastic story, and I've learned a lot. It's definitely been the most enjoyable 20 minutes I've ever had with a dentist. <laughs> so thank you, Lisa. Yeah. The bar is low. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you would like to follow the marketing playbook I use to recruit 1 million customers, then please install Machine Labs, available in the Shopify App Store. See you all next week on The Joy of Marketing. <laughs>